Hi, welcome to the second episode of TPL 3.0, It's In You. Today we have an amazing speaker, Aditya Gute, a speaker and coach for engineers. Hi, Aditya. Hello. Um, can you tell, me, uh, tell us a little about yourself? Sure. Um, which part? <laughs> <laughs> the introduction part where you want to tell us what you are. Okay, okay. absolutely. Um, so, I'm originally from Vishakhapatnam, Andhra Pradesh, uh, and I have a typical Desi story. I, you know, I did my Bachelor's of Engineering from Geetam University and went to um, United States to do my Master's. I, I mean, at that time, it was in 2008, so people were not even applying for H-1Bs. Mm. There were like people left, I mean more H-1Bs left than the applicants. Okay. Now, those were the times where recession was uh, really bad. <clears throat> but then I went to United States, got my master's, uh, pursued my career as an engineer for about um, nine years. Mm. And after that, you know, I decided I want to shift my uh, track, career track, and decided to become an engineer a speaker and a coach for engineers and that's what I do full-time since um, September 2019. Okay, that's very interesting because we are also engineers, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, moving forward, I want to talk about the difference you found, you know, after going to the United States because we really see that, you know, the students that the state students grew up, grow into and we grew into is the environment is very much very different. So that affects a lot for us, you know. Absolutely. So can you speak about that and what were the difference you found there after going to? US? Absolutely. I think one of the main differences that I find is in India, at least when I grew up in India, it's mostly survival. Again, I'm just speaking for myself. It might be different for different people. But at least when, when I was growing up in my hometown of Vishakhapatnam, Andhra Pradesh, it was mostly in survival. Get a job so that you don't have to go on the streets and beg. Mm-hmm. And so that you can sit happily in your home office and you don't have to work outside yeah. in the in the sun. That was the main thing. That's so, so go to school so that you you, you can eat land happy, a good happy job. land a good job. And that was the main thing. That was the main purpose of going to school. Uh, whether you like it or not is a is is a question. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go to school. That's the only option available. However, in United States, the main difference that I saw is people do something only if they like it. That's the yeah. first thing. Because again, it's one of the developed countries in the world. So even if you don't have a professional degree, you can still uh, have a decent living. You can still have a car. You can still uh, eat, eat uh, decent food. Um, that was the main thing. So people do things because they love to do. Uh, and yeah. then that was the main That difference. is what I want to talk about because I I have heard that people you know the children after they cross 16 they move out of their house and start living by their own most of the population is that right it's actually 17 is the legal age okay. for kids to uh, move, out, to move out and be like hey, yeah, I just <laughs> want to do whatever I want <laughs> so that takes back to the you know the Indian um, what you call history because back then even the princes you know were sent out in the jungles with the sages to learn and be you know good princes to learn. But I think so, they came back. They came back after they learned <laughs> things. They learned things and that's what is that's making them capable of doing things. Possibly because that's allowing them to be themselves instead yeah. of having to try to fit into something that the society has carved out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think that is a system even the Indians have to 
I mean, that's the major, obviously that's the most common thing. And obviously that there is, uh, there are people in, even in India who continue to follow their passion and we see those people. Even in America, you see people who are very uh, much dependent on their parents or who listen to their parents and uh, do things that the parents like them to do. You also see that, but in the mainstream, this is the, that's the main major cultural difference that I, from my perspective, uh, I've noticed. Oh, okay, right. Um, so you mentioned about uh, the environmental difference mm-hmm. and you wanted to learn more about yourself when you went to the US. Mm-hmm. Um, what was one thing that you found different? I know you love speaking. Mm-hmm. So did you find your love for speaking somewhere in the U.S.? Not really. I mean, I, um, I, it, it's 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 a, it's a hard question to answer because, you know, I just again sometimes you do things and you have no idea why you're doing it, mm-hmm. but looking back on it, it totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's one of those experiments. I mean, I loved. I always wanted to be able to speak. I never thought I could actually speak okay. proper English and actually uh, so it, it was really hard for me especially you know um, I, I, when I was in school people used to call me I, I used to stutter a lot okay. um, and I never thought I could speak to a human being mm-hmm. properly uh, without irritating them <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and I had a lot of trouble communicating in general and as engineers, you don't get to speak a lot, so you know speaking wasn't my thing. Uh, I even among friends, I was mostly silent. I wasn't speaking a lot. But then, you know, I noticed it is hurting in my career because I, I feel I was uh, uh, I was being lonely because I couldn't speak, and especially in America, I was by myself. There not there's not a lot of community. That's when I started going to Toastmasters. That's when. I started, <clears throat> you know, this is not working out. Uh, you know, I need to feel like I belong somewhere, mm-hmm. and I wanted to be able to speak. And I was searching all the courses, uh, and they were like, when I was searching, you know, looking for help with public speaking, everything, everywhere I saw, they were like charging me, you know, thousand dollars, two thousand dollars. <laughs> I'm like, that's ridiculously <laughs> expensive. I can't afford that. But then. I, I'm like, I, I searched on Google cheapest way <laughs> <laughs> communication skills and Toastmasters was the first one. All right, let's, let's go Toastmasters and for the, I mean, you're almost paying nothing to join Toastmasters and obviously being cheap, I loved it. <laughs> this is the best club to join. So. so that decision that changed after everything for you, I guess. Absolutely. That was the biggest thing that really was a life changer. Personally and professionally. Absolutely. 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 That was one experiment that went well. Yes, that was, uh, it was, an, yeah, absolutely. It was a chance I took that really went well. Okay, yeah. I, I would love for our audience to know about your um, incredible journey of being a district champion. Can you tell us something absolutely. about Absolutely. I think, I, I mean, if I, have, if I have to start with the journey as Toastmasters, like having that limiting beliefs around, um, around my speaking abilities, I was afraid to face the audience uh, of, of Toastmasters, especially English-speaking audience. And I come from southern part of India. I don't know if they understand my. I mean, it was really hard for me uh, to communicate because uh, I had really thick South Indian accent. So, um, 
yeah and in the beginning uh, during the beginning few sessions people gave me reviews like it's hard to evaluate you because we don't understand you Oh, okay. <laughs> so from there, I mean, I almost wanted to quit, but then, uh, but then, you know, I stuck by doing some mini roles, and slowly, you know, slowly, I started speaking. That's when I met, you know, that's when my wife came up to me and be like, Aditya, you know, I think you speak really well. <laughs> and like, really, me speaking? <laughs> um, but but then, you know, you have this um, uh, supportive community of Toastmasters. Uh, but day by day, I mean, every day I, I kept going. Again, I don't know what kept me going. I was just passionate about it. Uh, and uh, eventually I re- reached, uh, received support. In the first few speeches, I was like so disappointed because I would never be picked as, you know, you have the best speaker, best speaker right? Yeah. I would never be picked as the best speaker. And I'm like, it's because I know why these people are doing this. Because I'm Indian, I'm South Indian, they don't like me. And all these white people, they vote for themselves. <laughs> that was my big, first thing, first, first response. But eventually, uh, you know, over time, I'm like, for the first time, I think it, it was my sixth or seventh speech, they voted for me after, like, that's after two to three years, I think, mm-hmm. in Toastmasters. I'm like, oh my God, that's <laughs> probably not completing your CC, man. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. It, it took me years to complete my CC. But at that time, oh my God, actually, the, these people don't hate me as much as I thought. At, at that time, since that time, I started getting support. Mm-hmm. Aditya, you have some great stories to tell and you have great stage presence. Really, me? I never thought I could actually speak, but that my contents kept growing since then. And and eventually, uh, in 2019, it's only last year, for the first time I competed at the toast at the, uh, in a speech contest. Um, and I, I, it was it was my journey of being Toastmasters and how I. It was about and how I met my wife at Toastmasters and also made proposed her at Toastmasters oh. in the form of a speech. Oh my oh. god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, this is a perfect speech for the speech office. <laughs> <laughs> on how so and you can check it out on YouTube if you sure. Google my uh, name on YouTube. That's one of the first speeches that shows up, and the title of the um, speech is um, "How an Ugly Indian Boy Met a Chinese Wife." Mm-hmm. That was my okay. title I, of the speech. I think okay, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's very interesting. Was that your district speech or the club speech? That was my district speech. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So you mm-hmm. had a different speech for your club, your area? Uh, it, it's the same speech, speech that we uh, do okay. from club level to, I think it goes up to the semi-final. Mm-hmm. Only at the finals you have to change your speech. Okay. That's what I think, yeah. But it's the same speech. Yeah, uh, many of my friends um, like to keep a different speech for the area contest. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a division. Oh, they must be really talented. (laughs) 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 It's really difficult to do many speeches, but if someone can do it, that's awesome. So can we uh, talk about your your love story in Toastmasters, how did it start? And where do you feel that, okay, I'm in love with this lady? Yeah, I mean, so I think I became a VP of membership at Toastmasters <laughs> because that's the best way to actually meet the new, new members. Yeah. Uh, and when I was single at the time, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll take the VP of membership role. So, uh, so I met her when I was doing the role. I felt, okay, 
this seems to be a potential candidate <laughs> but at that time she was in a relationship oh. so there nothing much happened but we both kept kept coming to the club so after i think 3 years since we first met that's when um, we met i mean that's when she was uh, she became she was single and i was single i'm like all right we have to hang out again <laughs> and we started hanging out uh, again and then that's how it all grew i mean and at, at one of the at one of the toastmasters meetings actually for the first time i actually bought a cake and celebrated her birthday and then, oh, oh our repeat education is so but that's uh, but after that you know like yeah it it all it it fell into the it fell into the place and everything worked out great it's all history yeah. <laughs> looking back now it certainly is by cake so any so moral is by cake if you like someone and celebrate it in toastmasters <laughs> yeah i think we can keep that <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> pages <laughs> something for you to try <laughs> and and your family was cool with that Oh, they were not cool at all. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm from a conservative South Indian family. They did not like it. But did you chalk up another speech, convincing you? <laughs> Absolutely, exactly. I had to. I'm like, I used my skills at Toastmasters to chalk up, you know, to come up with another speech. And I spoke to what they're concerned about. There are two things that they're mainly concerned about Indian parents, mainly education. and divorce they don't want you to get divorced yeah. like stay in the relationship until you're like until you die right that was the second second thing is like making sure that the girl is like educated and in a from a good family i convinced them both on on those points i spoke to those points they were unhappy but they had to but they convinced again toastmasters <laughs> speeches not only for professional career but even to convince your parents by telling some stories so okay. <laughs> that's the first time i'm hearing one of those kind so are you still scared about giving table topic speeches or i am actually to be honest i'm still you know i'm i'm good with prepared speeches but table topics it still scares me <laughs> you said something about your professional life uh-huh. now you mentioned that you're a coach for engineer mm-hmm. um how did you come up uh, in the ladder of your career what yeah. were the life changes i mean choices that you had to make to reach a certain point absolutely so i mean when i was an engineer i, I thought I'm, i was a pretty good engineer i always loved it i definitely did not dis- dislike my job and i thought i want to become a you know the natural progression of being an engineer is to become a chief technology officer that the highest level you can go so i was like oh my goal in life is to become a chief technology <laughs> officer that's what my goal is and that's how i'm like you know that's what i told my wife to you know i want to become a chief technology officer but then you know i naturally always felt more inclined towards being with people and helping people even with my engineering work i always wanted to talk to the customers i always wanted to talk to the business people but there is something else there is this conflict wherein you know i tried i was trying to convince myself i'm great at engineering because look at look at what i did as an engineer you know i did some really cool things i built some really good software so i should become a ceo but then i was unhappy something some part of me was unhappy that 
there was there's something missing. It's that people connection skills. Mm. And my wife, in the first year of marriage, she said she wanted to become a coach. I'm like, and and I'm like, yeah, how much is it going to cost you to become a coach? She said seventeen thousand dollars. I mean, we're getting married this year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> literally this year. Who's going? To, I mean, she li- literally lives paycheck to paycheck. Who's going to pay that extra seventy thousand dollars? I told you, my friends told me marriage is an expense. I didn't listen to them. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, she made that decision. It's she's not asking there to ask for a permission. <laughs> she made that decision, so she did it anyway. She become a coach, but then. One year into uh, her uh, being a coach, I realized that there is a lot of you know shifts in her and how she's with me and uh, how she's also able to communicate effectively uh, with everyone. And also she was able to get some clients. I'm like, how are you able to do all of these things? This is this is pretty cool. And and, and she was like, the, the, uh, her clients are also giving her really good feedback on how she was able to help her. And I'm like, oh my God, this is exactly what I want to be able to do. And I experienced coaching. Like I got a coach for myself to see what it feels like to be coached. And then I've started discovering what is stopping me. Like I said, I was kind of, there's part of me that was unhappy at my job. I started finding out what is the root cause. And I started taking action steps to see how I can overcome those. Um, and I've noticed that from a deep inside, what I really want to be able to do is I'm like a people person, but my job is not allowing me to do. And I did not know that before this. I just know I was unhappy. I didn't know why. But uh, after being with people and I, I mean, I'm like, this is exactly what I want to be able to do. And this just gives me so much fulfillment. So I said, you know, I'm going to spend that money and become <laughs> a coach. And it's, uh, you know, looking back on it, I, we still laugh about it because I was completely against it and I did it myself. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, this is one of the professions that just gives me a total fulfillment. I, I just want to do it for free, uh, of course, but I have to, you know, eat. eat uh, so I have to. But then uh, this is one of those things like, you know, I'm feeling, uh, you know, if you find something that you want to do it for free and you, you still are fully happy about it, you know that's your true passion. I will definitely not do that with software engineering. <laughs> you pay me minimum of hundred dollars. I'm not otherwise I'm not doing. <laughs> I'm not writing any code. <laughs> uh, wait, how do you help others with you being a coach? <clears throat> Good question. So. Um, <clears throat> Coaching, I mean, the many people before I went to coaching and many people who asked me about coaching, the idea about coaching is if they don't know about it before, it's like, all right, he became, he did something. He, he looks like he became, uh, he, he started his own business. He found his passion. Maybe he can help me do that uh, is what people assume. But it's not about that. It's not about using my experience uh, to help you, to tell you what to do. Okay. Instead, it's like every, 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 everyone gets motivated by certain factors, certain things in their life. And as a coach, we are trained to ask you empowering, ask our clients empowering questions so they can find out their answers. And all our tra- training lies in how we can be non-judgmental, not trying to force our opinions on others. And that's something people, it's hard for people to find because you, you know, I go to a friend for, to, for advice, he just gives his opinion. Uh, 
Hmm. But yeah, it's, if you go to your parents, that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I, you know, as a coach, we are trained to be non-objective. So you, so clients have a free space, have a space to explore themselves and really um, bring out their true values and bring out full consciousness in what in the decisions that they make. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Okay, so let's back go to the stage where you, you know, came out of that nine to five shell and you know, started doing what you wanted to. Mm-hmm. So how was that uh, transformation, and was it very difficult to go through the process of you know the what do you call it uh, the traditional uh, thought process of uh, whether it's good for me, will it fail? I have a very good job right now. Absolutely, yeah. That that was a huge one, uh, you know. <clears throat> that was a huge one, and many of my clients also uh, uh, even come to me with similar scenarios. Uh, so for me personally, talking from my perspective, um, yeah, I mean, I have a stable job, and I always, I mean, it was pretty good. Uh, but then, uh, you know, that's where I talk about intuition in in my speech speeches a lot because. Um, you know, I know. I remember this. Clear, I still clearly remember this moment when my wife and I we were driving back home. It was a rainy, dark day, um, and we had a flat tire, and we had to stop by an exit. And suddenly, as we were waiting for the roadside assistance to come help us out, suddenly I was like, uh, I told my wife, "Honey, everything is making sense right now." You know, uh, since I was a kid, I had this uh, vision in my mind. I never wore, I never wore a suit as a kid. But I had, even as a kid, I had a vision in my mind wearing a suit and, uh, you know, and giving speeches, transforming people. But I never paid attention to that intuitive uh, image uh, of mine. And suddenly that day, it came, it all came back to me. And I didn't know why I joined Toastmasters. I mean, it just happened that I joined Toastmasters and I didn't know why I met you. I met you. <laughs> and then after I met her, uh, I mean, this is after, this is only last year, this uh, whole conversation with my wife. After I met her, I mean, I just tapped into who I really am, which is like becoming a more powerful speaker. I, that's when I, after, uh, that's what got me to win the, I mean, to not win, but go up to the district contest and also. Um, you know, I became certified as a coach. I never thought I would become full-time. It, it's all making sense. Like, you know, um, that rainy day, I, I, I was like, I got super excited and I was telling her everything about, uh, oh, everything, if I look back in the past, it's all making sense. All I wanted to do was speaking and helping other people. And coaching is a great tool. I mean, speaking, you can, I mean, in 30 minutes or 45 minutes, you can't transform people. They feel good. All right, that's a great speech. <laughs> but then coaching is really where, you know, the transformation, it, transformation happens. In speaking, you can plant a seed that, yeah, there's, there are opportunities. There are ways you can grow. And if people can take that message and apply it themselves, they can probably grow. But then coaching is where you're actually doing this work. So it's, it, it really comes from an intuitive place. When, I, it, when it all made sense, I felt it so strongly. Like, if, if I die tomorrow, uh, again, what I'll be most, uh, what I'll most regret is, is the fact that, you know, this is exactly what I want to do, and I didn't do it, and I don't want to regret when I die 
I don't want to have regrets. So now is the time. I, I, I mean, it was really quick. Like last year, I had this intuitive experience. And again, all of this happened through coaching because coaching is really going deep into yourself as well and getting clarity about yourself. And something, you know, on that rainy day, it all made sense to me. And I took it back to the coach, explored more, and I'm like, I designed action steps to make this decision to make that. It's it's just taking a leap of faith at that time. What you're telling is taking your intuition to the fullest, right? Absolutely. But when you have an intuition and you want to go ahead, it means that you have no safety net. You just have to you just have to take that leap of faith, and then you just. Yeah, I mean, there's a little safety net. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, this is money in my bank that okay, okay. that lets me go for it. Yeah, but but again, <clears throat> especially where I grew up, uh, from my perspective, if you have money in the bank, you buy land, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you buy an apartment. That's that's where your money goes. So I'm like, all right, I'm not putting the money up there. That was the decision I made. I'll, I'll put it back into my own. So that was the thing. So it's still a safety net, but it's not going towards the land. It's coming back, <laughs> it's going, coming, it's coming back to you and feeding okay. my career. So, how do you differentiate between thoughts and intuitions? Because sometimes, you know, thoughts are something that is influenced by your ambience. Mm-hmm. If you're around actors, one day you feel like, you know, I want, I also want to be the actor. I also want to be in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. You know, around Toastmasters, it's sort of like you want to be the best speaker. So how do you differentiate that intuition that comes from within and the thoughts that are being influenced by others? It's a great question. <laughs> and and all, all, I also speak to you know some of the very successful engineers, engineers from Google, Microsoft, and you know this is an interesting topic to explore. And what my from my experience uh, myself and also talking to other engineers, everyone seems to agree that, yeah. You know, um, you have these thoughts whenever you want to go to Toastmasters. Yeah, you want to become the best speaker. You want you're at your job. You want to be the best engineer, and uh, and uh, with with your I mean with your personal life, you might want to become the best son or daughter, or you know husband. I mean, I don't know about that, but (laughs) (laughs) maybe some some people do. (laughs) You you do have that. Uh, so, um, <clears throat> I mean, one thing that I, you know, one of the engineer from Google shared with me that is that uh, he tries to do several different things. Like only if you don't try different things, it will never work out. I mean, you don't know where your potential lies. You might resonate with one thing, but not with the other. But first important thing is like to answer your question is to try out different things. Maybe you're interested in basketball, just go play and see what happens. And maybe you're interested in doing uh, dancing or acting, just go try. Because if you don't try, you, you will never know. But once you try, there is this devotion that you develop. It's almost like a devotion that you can't stop yourself. And um, it, it's not forced. It's like, you know, I mean, again, you know, it's it's not forced. You you don't. There's nothing to prove to someone. You just do it because you love it so much. And once you once you do that, once you get into the situation like that, you will know it. You will feel it in every body part that this is what exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life. And you trust it. But the, it, I mean, hopefully I answered your question. But it's starting out with trying out different things. If you if you think you love yoga. Just <laughs> go to yoga classes, <laughs> and you, if you keep doing it, you you will find out. 
uh, whether you know it's intuition or, or you will not have devotion if it's coming coming from someone else because you're trying to please someone you're trying to look good in front of someone it's not going to la- not going to last and it, it's it will eventually fall out pretty soon you will know it but if it's coming from inside uh, you will have this sense of devotion uh, so basically a, um, a process of elimination you go try out things and then you say okay this is maybe this is not working out exactly exactly and this is not working out again um, it, it's not exactly you know logical either yes. right yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> you know especially again you know as engineers this is what got me uh, you know very stressed out as an engineer because I need I mean I don't understand what you're saying <laughs> right because we want a logical answer and there's no logic I mean it's hard to come on I mean it's really how much how you feel about it and, uh, and you I mean even I am starting to hone it um, so so again I learned from some of the experts too and they all seem to agree that you know, uh, you just keep trusting yourself and there will be a time when you strongly believe in something and you'll do it, nothing will stop you. That, that's a very uh, tough decision to make. Um, especially if you're, if you're still a student getting your undergraduate degree and you suddenly think in the final year that you want to branch out your career choice. Maybe not just get into what was laid out for you, mm-hmm. but want to try out something else. But mm-hmm. you're not sure about the fact that that might actually be the correct choice for you. Yeah. Trusting your intuition is the second part where it comes. Absolutely. So Absolutely. maybe sit for placements, take the job that you want to um, work at or study further or maybe just try out a different business or go study something else. Yeah, I mean, uh, so that that's a very common confusion among students and I went through that for a long time myself. I mean, for me, in that case, this this I mean, my thought process in that in such scenarios is, um, you it doesn't have to be black and uh, or white. It, it doesn't have to be binary. You just doesn't don't have to completely skip your career and jump into the. All right, you know, you wake up in the morning. I will have this intuition thought that to jump into it. I'm gonna give up everything. It it doesn't have to be that way. But you know, if you have this intuition about all right, you know, I want to start a new business. You know, it doesn't engineering doesn't seem to be the right career. You can still uh, keep keep your current engineering career. Do your get get into a full time job. But in the part time, you start exploring the business idea that you had. And if you consistently do it, uh, and you can't stop yourself from so that is where the trust builds up and yeah, then you take the last position of it, jump into it or not. Absolutely. And again, you know, if you look at some of the most successful people in the world, uh, they, they started doing both things at the same time until one day they said, all right, I feel so strong about it. Uh, and they take a leap of faith and jump into it and magic happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's something we can think about. Yeah. So we heard your uh, presentation or there's what you uh, presentation right? yeah. enforces mm-hmm. so you're speaking about the ego and the humility part mm-hmm. so we want to know about how will ego affect your career and decision making mm-hmm. and how do you, you know, channelize it in the right way mm-hmm. absolutely because as students when we work at projects mm-hmm. 
right? Mm -hmm. So over there you have a group of people working towards a similar project because in final year you mm -hmm. have groups. Yeah. And then you suddenly realize that you are a person who does not know anything regarding that and you have to take out those massive books of knowledge and sit down and work out everything mm -hmm. that there is to know. But you are not, um, you don't feel that you should be able to talk, communicate your thoughts to the other person. Mm -hmm. Because you know that the other person knows more than you, but you're not ready to step down and you know understand what's going on. But that, that's very different when you're a kid. Mm -hmm. As you said, uh, when we're kids, we, we, we accept the fact that we really don't know anything. Mm -hmm. And we are so open to learning new things. Absolutely, that's a very good question. Um, and just to give the, your audience a little more context, uh, in my speech I was talking about inner blocks. Like there are few, there are many inner blocks that keep us uh, tapping into our full potential. Um, when I spoke at your Toastmasters club, I was uh, talking about a different inner block. And when I spoke at Infosys, I was talking about an inner block called ego. Um, and you're absolutely right. I know as as we when we are younger. Uh, or, I mean, we don't know anything and we tell people, I don't know anything, can you teach me? But as we grow older, uh, we pick, start learning things. And we come to a point where, um, our, you know, I don't want to, uh, our ego is pretty high. I mean, we, we know that, we, we want to be known as people who know something. But deep inside you know, <laughs> you might not know everything that you want other people to know. Um, and what you're saying is, um, <clears throat> when you do projects together, uh, you know, you might sense that, all right, you know, I might not know everything that this project asked me to do, <laughs> but I don't want to tell people or my project means, or it could be the professor, that you know, I don't know everything. So, but you know, if you say that, your your ego gets hurt. Uh, you know, it, it's like I, it's like admitting that I don't know. Is, is a really big problem. Especially engineers have a huge issue with that because our whole career is based on uh, you know how much better we are than compared to others. Look, I'm I'm an engineer. I know something. I can I know the details. I know every more than most business people. Business people are surface. <laughs> you know, they're like just talking to like they don't really know what's going. You know, I am the big deal. Uh, of this company, that's the, I, I mean that's the attitude we. I mean that's that's how we take pride in what we do. So again, if you notice that uh, it's it's uh, ego is something good, you know, because that's how we take pride in in the work we do because we feel we're in, we're in important. Uh, our work is important to the companies. Our engineering work, but at the same time, it has a, a double. Uh, you know, it has an effect. There's a side effect which is that if someone tries to point out that there's a mistake in your in the code right that you wrote or in the product that you developed it's suddenly you know it, 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 it's a hurt that we feel we we feel hurt deep inside and we don't want to accept the mistakes and this happens a lot so sorry i i kept talking keep talking about the what was your question so how do you handle this in a way that's constructive so again, it's um, when Elon Musk he developed, uh, he started this. He, he had this crazy idea about transporting people to Mars. Yeah. But at the same time, he was humble enough to accept that. All right, this might the most probable outcome for this project of transporting people to Mars is a failure. 
he accepted that. And if you note, if you listen to his interviews, he keep mentioning that is that I am prepared for failure. That's where I th again, that's where most people, most successful people, grow in the long term is that is admitting that they're not superhumans. That is by admitting that they make a lot of mistakes. Um, and it, it's and one of the most powerful things I was able to conversations I have was able to have with other engineers is like you know, especially when you're at a corporate company, uh, your your coworkers are reviewing your code and they're pointing mistakes at you. Ego takes a huge hit <laughs> if they they're like pointing issues at your code and they get reported to your manager. Look what <laughs> they did. It's a huge hit. And there are many times that that has happened to me. And uh, certain times, I mean, again, you know, engineers is mostly crowded with men. You know why? Because men has the most amount of ego. <laughs> you know, we like we know everything. Anyways, uh, there are times when engineers don't communicate to you properly when they point mistakes at you. They're like, "Oh my God, you're such a horrible uh, engineer. How can you write a code like that?" That's huge. I mean, you're like really hurting, and you want to really show, prove that I'm right and others are wrong, uh, and the other developer is wrong. And that's where most of the time is spent in many corporations trying to fight. <clears throat> but um, the most powerful thing that I heard some of the most engineers who really uh, are, 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 are continue to be successful in the long term is that all right, I made a mistake. They apologize for the mistake that they create and they analyze the impact of it themselves. They completely accept and they say like, all right, you know, um, what can I learn from this? Teach me what I can learn. Don't, I mean, if you're yelling at me, I know I have messed up the code. It's not going to take this issue forward. Just tell me what I can learn. And so that I don't repeat this mistake again. Most powerful thing to say. No one can argue with that statement. Okay. Like you gave up everything. All right, I, this, is, this is a mistake I made. Uh, of course, you, I can, the person can point out mistakes at the other uh, person too, but that's not the intention. It's about, all right, let, teach me what I can learn from this situation. That's the most, it's, it's like giving up your ego. It's like giving up that being, be, trying to be right in everything that you do, that you're a mistake, that you're a human being, that you make mistakes. And it's okay to make, make mistakes. And, and again, managers love it. You, you typically think that, oh my God, if I admit the mistake, managers is going to think that I'm an idiot. He's not going to promote me, but managers love it. If you admit your mistakes, there's nothing better than uh, better than that. Great managers always love it when you say, and it's all about what lesson do you learn and how can you make keep that from happening. That's one, those are the most important things anyone is um, uh, willing to hear. A good manager, mm -hmm. yeah. So, <laughs> um, does it make sense? Yeah, it, it does make sense. Ego does take a hit a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if 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 we if someone can change perspective about ego, it, it's gonna uh, impact other areas of your life too. Like you know, husband and wife, they always boyfriend and girlfriend. No, it's all about ego. It, it's all about uh, a, a fight about ego. Yeah. So it, it changes everything. Is that one um, life lesson that you also give back to the people who you uh, coach? I mean, again, you know, I, this is something uh, speaking and coaching are completely do two different, two different things. things. Okay. Because speaking, I'm telling. Yeah, 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 this yeah, is yeah. what you should be doing. And when I'm coach, I'm not telling anything. Okay. I'm helping the clients uh, discover uh, whatever it is. But I refer them to articles. Maybe if they resonate with it, 
they like to explore it or it, I, I don't understand I mean they maybe they resonate maybe they come up with something completely different maybe whatever I said is a BS right <laughs> it doesn't make any sense and that's okay whatever the client comes up with is their truth uh, and 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 that's what as a coach I'm uh, that's what my job is is, is to help client our clients find their truth maybe they decide to say this is what I want to do this is what I want to do. all right so I, I will go with what the client says so uh, none of my principles go into what I say, talk about doesn't mm-hmm. apply for coaching. Okay, so you keep your perspectives and your opinions all aside yeah. and then uh, just sit down and listen. Exactly, to and that, that, those are the skills we are mainly trained on, how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you feel that in a string and you were telling that, no, you know that person is wrong, just, just tell that. Yeah. Absolutely, that, I mean that's, that's, that's why I went to a school for one year. <laughs> Why or how I can how how I can stop doing that? It's a really difficult thing to do, but then over time, as you keep doing it, it becomes another skill that you really can yeah. easily do. So, oh, you coach students, right? Mm-hmm. So, what is the difference you find between the Indian students and the foreign students? Because foreign students choose engineering by choice, but most of engineers don't do that. They go with the system. Mm-hmm. So, what is the difference? The major difference you find? based on that, uh, what is the history or the choice making? Absolutely. It, it, it's interesting, you know, because that's the perception I had also before I was coaching the, uh, uh, you know, American students or American engineers. But the, the fact is, many of my clients who are Americans, they all also had um, strong personality of a father or a teacher which kind of lim- limiting uh, kind of limited them as an adult so those are the clients I get uh, in America so again you know I, I like I told you before ma- most Americans follow their passion but not all of them and who don't are happens to be my clients <laughs> so so again this is based on what so in that perspective I don't see any difference like okay. the, the, the clients I see get from India I continue to attract those the same kind of people who who are who have some inner blocks whether it's coming from and again you know we're all one of the major things that I got also got from coaching different people and also being coached is that no matter whether you're born in India or America, we all go through the same life experiences. It's just the difference in skin color, things we eat, what we wear are probably different. Other than that, uh, it's exactly the same thing. I mean, if, if, you, if someone has an inner block here, it doesn't matter um, uh, whether someone is an American or uh, Indian, it's the same thing. Where can, where can people come and actually get to know about your samples or coaching? Is there a place where we can Yeah, um, if, if you were interested in learning, if someone is interested in learning more, they can come to my website, www.whoweare.io, and they can send me a, a request if they have any question. There's a contact form, or they can also sign up for a newsletter where they can continue to receive some uh, free blocks, uh, uh, free articles on inner blocks, on common blocks that engineers face. That's uh, uh, one way they can get in touch with me. So, 
and also <clears throat> you know because I love doing this uh, and I enjoyed this session a lot I would also like to offer your audience anyone who people every month because this is an ongoing podcast if any um, I will pick two people out of uh, how many however people contact me and I'll give two people every month a sample coaching session if you send me uh, submit a form with a subject saying um, what's the name of this podcast triumphal 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 triumphant triumphal um, triumphal yeah. yeah the subject is uh, discovering your potential okay triumphal podcast right so triumphal podcast um, dash sample con coaching session in the subject if you send that to me uh, i'll consider you for a free sample coaching session Oh, and then, thank you so much. <laughs> I think we're getting something free out of this. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, any um, final giveaways for our audience? That's it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I think, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't have anything else specific. I think I mentioned everything that I have in my mind. Okay, sure. Um, I, I think we... Um, went on a whole journey of how taking a life uh, choice doesn't really matter you can still afford mistakes and it was it's already uh, it's always nice to have a safety net with you or a backup and then take um, the leap of faith yeah take a leap of faith Absolutely. and really trust your intuitions after um, jumping into many things and eliminating the things that you do not like Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, taking care of that one little friend, that ego that we have and protecting. I like how you said it as friend because it is our friend. You have to treat it properly. And if you treat it properly, yeah, it will do good things for you. <laughs> okay. It was really nice meeting you. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, so much. It's a pleasure. I totally enjoyed all your questions. Thank you Thank for you. having me. All right, guys. That was the end of our second episode.